It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Signal Boost. I am Yunj Kim, filling in for Jess and Zerlina today. It's Thursday, September 2nd, 7, oh no, 8.05 a.m. on the East Coast, 5.05 a.m. from Los Angeles, the West Coast, where I am at right now. And I am thrilled to introduce our next guest today on the show, it's Alexis McGill Johnson. Alexis is the president of Planned Parenthood. She is joining us to talk about the recent abortion ban in Texas that we have been touching on throughout the show today. Hey, Alexis, how are you doing? I'm doing uh, as well as we can be. Um, thank you so much for having me. I can imagine. Thanks so much for joining us. Are you in Texas right now or elsewhere? Uh, no, I'm 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 in New York, but in a close conversation with our uh, three Texas affiliates um, who collectively serve 11 health centers uh, in Texas. Gotcha. And Alexis, just to recap for our audience, as I understand it, what happened in Texas this week is the Supreme Court stayed quiet on the SB8 bill to ban abortions after six weeks and incentivize vigilantism by awarding $10,000 for anyone who, supposed, who successfully sues someone who helped a woman or person get an abortion. Like, is this all true? Is this entire sentence accurate? Uh, it, it is accurate. Um, the Supreme Court didn't just stay quiet. They actually, just before uh, 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 midnight, actually refused to block the law and, um, and issued their, uh, um, their opinion yesterday. Um, so essentially, they have effectively overruled uh, Roe for the people of Texas Um, by not uh, refusing to block an unconstitutional six-week ban, you know, that, I mean, if you think about it, right, six weeks is is probably about the time that you know you are pregnant. Um, Right. Most women don't know that they're pregnant until after six weeks. Exactly. Um, So effectively, they have overruled Roe in Texas. Um, and also, you know, I, I'd argue probably use procedure as a, as a smokescreen, you know, the court really had a clear choice in front of them and they chose, um, to let the law stand instead of, uh, protecting the women of Texas. Wow. And I definitely want to get back to this point about the Supreme court and the legal ramifications, but what does this mean immediately for women or pregnant people in Texas who were seeking an abortion? It means that they aren't able to uh, to have an abortion after six weeks. It means wow. that our providers aren't able to schedule those appointments. Um, it means that they are uh, likely um, in process to uh, identify resources to travel out of state, to find childcare, to take time off from work. Uh, to drive several hundred miles to, you know, the nearest clinic outside of Texas. Um, And it means that, you know, those who aren't able to secure those resources will be forced to carry 
a pregnancy uh, to term um, against their will. Wow. 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 And I can imagine that wealthy or or women with means and privilege, they can still travel out of state to seek an abortion at another Planned Parenthood clinic or another doctor in a state where it's legal. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, that was the case before Roe, right? That, right. that if you had means you could fly to, you know, Puerto Rico or, or you know, out of the country, um, you know, to Europe to, to get access to, uh, to an abortion. And here we are, you know, um, in 2021, almost 50 years after the uh, Roe was, um, was uh, passed into law. Um, mm-hmm. and, and in our own country, um, we are not able to secure access. So the brunt of the impact will be largely low income communities, uh, black, brown communities, trans non-binary communities, um, and, in largely in, in, uh, in Texas. Um, but, you know, we also have to worry now, right. That this, is the kind of ban um, that uh, state legislatures across the South and the Midwest um, will be eager to put in place. So the impact, we're, we're just beginning to see the impact. Wow. And so let's dive into the details of this ban, since it sounds like other states might try to replicate it soon. Like, first off, how is it legal that a party not involved at all can sue? It's like a moral judgment. Right. Like someone who has nothing to do with a woman who got an abortion can decide to sue that person and everyone who helped her get it. Like, how is that possible? It is this um, SB8 was designed with the intention to essentially overturn Roe without going through the court system. Mm -hmm. And so normally when you have a bad law ban that is unconstitutional, you go to the state and you ask the state to uh, join so that, you know, um, we aren't, uh, so, so that the, the law doesn't take uh, effect and it gets adjudicated in the, in the, in the courts, um, which is where we are now. This law um, was was quite frankly maniacally clever, right? And in really trying to um, move away from that system and instead empower, you know, vigilante bounty hunters um, right. to uh, to um, you know anybody in any state who doesn't believe that abortion should exist um, to to basically you know enforce this law, and mm-hmm. if they prove that someone had um, an abortion after six weeks, they could collect $10,000 for each claim they win against someone who provides or aids an abortion and a court order to stop. So, right. you know, it, it was already extremely challenging for Texans to access abortion, right? Um, there are 24 hour, um, you know, uh, waiting periods, there's this mandated counseling, there are all of these restrictions that they put in place. And this just adds another layer of, of disincentive for people to seek access and also um, and, and a disincentive for providers because they they fear what could happen to them, right? I mean, right. right. Does this mean that Planned Parenthood and other providers are at risk of, I guess, baseless lawsuits because now that anyone can sue someone who might or might not have helped someone with an abortion? Like- what yeah. does this mean for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I you know, Planned Parenthood and, and other providers in Texas are 
uh, complying with the law. So mm-hmm. there should not be uh, a uh, a lawsuit on on the merit. But that does right, not right. Stop, it doesn't stop frivolous lawsuits, right? It doesn't right. stop anybody, you know, and we're talking about anybody, right? It could be your neighbor. It could be your distant relative. It could be an abusive partner. It could be anybody who just needs $10,000, right? Um, And if they have the time and the uh, inclination to, you know, to do what we're already seeing, right? Surveillance in, you know, our parking lots, um, suspicious phone calls, you know, um, they are are already working towards that end to intimidate, to sow fear and chaos and confusion. Wow. Does this mean, or do you anticipate, uh, I guess, potential violence because of these bounties being available? Like, to be clear, I understand that it's not a physical bounty, like a stand your ground law, for example. You can't physically go after someone who's had an abortion or help someone with an abortion. It's a legal civil case. But do you think this could potentially open the doors for some far right terrorists, frankly? to feel like they have the okay to go after women who've had abortions? You know, look, I, uh, uh, providers of abortion have long um, grappled with uh, lots of other kinds of vigilante um, right. justice, um, in, including um, very direct violent uh, killing murders um, mm-hmm. of uh, uh, providers um, and staff. Um, right. So they recognize the fact that that um, their choice to provide um, the best care uh, to patients to help them, you know, make the best decisions for their lives um, is, is, is at risk. You know, I think this is another layer of terrorism, quite frankly, um, when you uh, when you create um, this kind of um incentive for people to be surveilled for people, you know, to, you know, pictures to be taken of them, their license plates number, the kind of information that can now, um, you know, be turned over to the, you know, to the dark web. I think it, it is scary. And I think that in itself has uh, a terrorist impact on, um, you know, on, on providers. And again, anybody who is, you know, part of a provider system, you know, I think that's the, the way the law is, is, written, you know, anybody who aids and abets could be your Uber driver, right? It could be mm-hmm. your pastor who's counseling you. Um, you know, these are, these are uh, the, the extreme of the law, um, I think is, is really just cast a wide net as for anybody who um, wants to stop abortion. Um, and it's just, you know, it's unconstitutional and it is quite frankly, scary. Absolutely. And speaking of constitutionality, what is next nationally with the Supreme Court? I understand that there's a case on the docket for next year from Mississippi that will address Roe v. Wade. But does what happened in Texas, will that have implications uh, federally as well? So the court was was clear that the decision they made uh, last night in the darkness of, of night um, was not being decided on the constitutionality of Roe v. Wade, um, but you know, essentially, in in making this uh, decision on on procedure that was essentially a smokescreen that effectively ended Roe in Texas, um, there is a case um, pending uh, that the court will hear in uh, this fall or early next year um, in uh, Mississippi mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, versus Jackson Women's Health organization, they, um, that is a 15 week man. 
Um, it is remarkable that they would take up a case that is essentially um, has an opportunity to review 50 years of precedent, right? We've always mm-hmm. been able to make these decisions prior to viability. Um, and, and I think what we have are kind of two tracks, right? We have this case that is a, a 15-week ban, mm-hmm. um, and, um, and we have now a set of six-week bans potentially uh, rippling across the country uh, in these 26 states where there are state legislatures who would be eager to do what Texas did. Um, where you, they could create a de facto uh, post-Roe state uh, world, essentially. Um, and that, that's really what we're up against. But, you know, the fight is not over. You know, it's far from over. We're going to keep fighting this in the courts. You know, Congress needs to pass laws if the courts aren't going to protect our rights. And um, that's, you know, that's where we are. Right. And the fact that you say the courts aren't going to protect our rights, I assume one of those courts is the current Supreme Court, which is at a conservative majority. Does that mean you guys think that it's pretty much uh, the result is a given for this Mississippi case next year and that the state legislatures are the way to go? We are just about a week short of a year after uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And we are seeing the impact of having um, Justice Amy Coney Barrett on the court. Mm-hmm. We are seeing uh, the impact of uh, Trump and Mitch McConnell's dealing uh, RBG seat and, um, you know, transforming the judiciary um, with an appointment appointments of over, you know, 200 plus judges, conservative right. judges. Um, and so it is you know, the courts used to be our backstop, right, for bad laws, right, for unconstitutional laws. Uh-huh. Um, and, and in, in fact, now uh, those structures are not available to us in the same way to protect our rights. And so we will have to keep fighting in the courts because it, it is important to continue to, to, um, to push them and to demonstrate that they're not actually serving uh, the Constitution. Um, and it means we also need to uh, push legislators um, to, to um, enact laws that comport with where the majority of their uh, constituents, um, you know, support. So, Right. And on the flip side, I think it's so important to remember that while we had all of these federal judges, conservative judges appointed by an unpopularly elected president, the matter of abortion has support. It has popular support, right? Across the country. I believe the majority of Americans believe in a woman's right to choose. Yeah. I mean, like, is, is that, is that what you guys have found in your, uh, in your work? Maybe it it differs region to region, but I believe there are polls that show that most Americans believe a woman should choose, should decide what to do with her body. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I was just about to say, I mean, 80% of Americans believe that uh, abortion should be uh, safe and legal and accessible. Right. And, and um, there is no state. There literally is no state where uh, there is not a majority um, that believes that abortion should be safe and legal. Wow. And so, yeah. So what we have are state legislators, um, legislatures who, who essentially um, have taken the, the kind of uh, rules of power. And, right. Going um, against the will of the people. Going against the will of the people. That's exactly right. 
And that uh, reminds me the story of, uh, or I guess the case uh, that's coming up in Mississippi. It It is around a, a woman's, you correct me if I'm wrong. It's in Jackson. It's the pink house, right? It's about an abortion yes. clinic in Jackson, which I believe is the last one in Mississippi. It is. It is the sole provider of abortion in Mississippi. Yes. Right. And even there, because I did a documentary a couple of years ago with MTV News where we went down to that clinic, talked to folks in the South who, again, most of them support the woman's right to choose. And that's where I found that a lot of the motive to take away abortion rights from the right, it has to do with the economic consequences right? Like some of this is about, it's about economic oppression, forcing people, often low-income people to have children that they frankly cannot afford or raise at that time. And it seems to be this sort of this right wing, this Republican strategy that's been ongoing for the past few decades, essentially. Is, Is that something that you could speak to or have seen? Yeah. I mean, look, the majority of uh, people who have um, abortion actually have children already. Right. Mm. And so, um, so they fully understand what it takes to raise a family, um, the, the costs, the, um, you know, the, the expense, and they are making very, um, you know, difficult decisions around, you know, um, continuing to grow their family given what they're able to do. Right. And so as we talked about, you know, the, these, these, what is not going to happen in Texas is people not having abortions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it will impact who is able to have them. And, exactly. the, and that, that, that kind of compounded impact really, which will be multi-generational, right. Um, when you are, are forcing people essentially into poverty because you are taking their away. Right. And yeah, when we were down in Jackson, we saw exactly that. And the fact also is that the state does not provide like the other end of it, you know, after making abortion hard to access and now legal in parts of the country after a certain time period. They also don't provide the support, the postnatal and the maternal support that women need, like once you have the child, you know, like you would think that or the healthcare or the healthcare or the education or the, you know, the employment. Right. I mean, like, you know, these are, we're, we're talking about a state that, you know, is, um, is, has been so devastated in this moment in a pandemic Mm-hmm. by um, a health system that doesn't function, uh, by an education system that doesn't function, um, by an uh, inability to grow the economy because our basic, you know, like the social contract doesn't exist in Mississippi. And yet they, they, they are so focused on trying to take this right away. Um, it really demonstrates where their priorities are. Absolutely. And I know that in Texas, In 2018, at least, around half of the women who gave birth were on Medicaid, you know, so it's often low income women who have or no, maybe it was 50 percent of women who've had abortions. They were on Medicaid. But in either case, like the facts were that it's often low income women who are left 
hanging essentially, you know, between a rock and a hard place where the state forces you to do something and then they don't support you in that afterward. And so where can we look to when it comes to um, supporting further abortion rights, Alexis, whether it's in Texas, like if we're not in Texas, what can we do? Well, look, I mean, I think in the immediate, I think it's very important to, uh, to support, um, you know, uh, the advocacy, um, there are a number of organizations, including Planned Parenthood that are, you know, fighting, um, will continue to fight. Um, there, it's really important for patients to, um, to receive, uh, funds to travel out and there, if you go to abortionfunds.org, uh, we can, you know, um, there are, you know, funds who will be able to, uh, get people the resources they need to travel out. Um, but this is, you know, this is just the beginning of the fight, right? We are, we are here in Texas as kind of the, the opening salvo. And um, this, this year will be an incredibly critical year for these rights. And we will have to take them both um, in, in our mobilization to the courts, as well as into, you know, 22, um, where we uh, need to demonstrate with our um, you know, uh, our electeds who represent us, that it is incredibly important for um, our, um, you know, for them to create the legislation that um, in, in, enshrines our rights in each state. So, you know, uh, there is something for all of us to do here. This is, um, this is a fight that impacts us all. Absolutely. And on the other end, uh, I wanted to, while we have a couple of minutes left here, I wanted to touch on I guess the opposite of what Planned Parenthood is doing, these organizations or these groups known as crisis pregnancy centers. Are you familiar? Very familiar. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure. Yes, of course. Um, For those uh, listeners who might not be aware, crisis pregnancy centers are essentially so-called health clinics operated by anti-choice activists who often lure a pregnant woman seeking an abortion in with offers of free health care and free abortions. And once the women are literally sitting in the seats, they will try to convince them not to have an abortion through various means. And in some cases, I've interviewed women who've said they went in thinking on the day of their supposed abortion, sat in the chair and then was told that they would not be getting an abortion and that they had reached the end of the legal timeline and would not be able to get one like these groups are operating across the country and i went to one in kentucky actually um i'm not sure if you're familiar with this group alexis i believe they were called it was one of the chains uh, in louisville kentucky mm-hmm. and i went in undercover essentially to see what these women or what these activists told pregnant women and they basically they just they try to slut shame you and they give false medical information about abortion saying that it's dangerous and life-threatening when in fact most abortions conducted in the united states are not the vast majority are safe yeah no they're they're horrific i i spoke to a patient uh, a few years ago in uh in louisiana who uh was you know, uh, had made a decision to, um, to end her pregnancy and was traveling, um, you know, found a crisis pregnancy center, which she didn't know was a crisis pregnancy center, um, Mm -hmm. online drove four hours from, you know, Baton Rouge to, to this place and, um, you know, got there and, you know, and she stated very clearly what she wanted. They told her repeatedly, 
you know, um, that they wanted her to think about these things. And this was Louisiana law and they needed to have this conversation, but of course they would help her. And they, um, so she, she did the thinking, she drove back home, she drove back, you know, another four hours later, took more days off from work, uh, was ready for the procedure. And they said, well, no. And then they finally revealed the fact that they could not actually uh, provide um, her abortion because they were not an abortion provider. Wow. And um, and then she, you know, she found a, uh, a Planned Parenthood clinic who referred her to an abortion provider in Louisiana. Now, mm-hmm. you know, I talked to her about just the, you know, the feeling and, you know, to your point, the slut shaming, the, um, the, uh, the stigmatizing, you know, language that they use at best mm-hmm. to, to really um, embarrass someone into making this decision. I said, how did you feel about that? And she said, you know what? She's just mad. Right. <laughs> just angry. She's like, no one could shame me. She said they need to be ashamed of themselves for lying and manipulating um, and trying to uh, to essentially tell me they don't trust me to make these decisions about my own body. And she Absolutely. was mad and telling her story to everyone um, that, you know, um, publicly because she hadn't told her family, but she just said it was enough. Enough was enough. And, and we, um, you know, we deserve better. So, yes, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, these are these are crisis pregnancy centers, um, some of which were given resources under the Trump administration right. that I think, um, you know, like we're still we're still um, undoing the damage, quite frankly, of the last four years, not just on the courts, which is um, really, um, uh, really challenging, uh, but also in some of these other other places that are showing up in daily lives for people. Absolutely. And with that, Alexis, with that warning and that look forward, our time is up. Alexis McGill Johnson, thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to hearing and watching what Planned Parenthood does in helping us fight for our right to choose. Thank you so much for covering this and um, educating your listeners and um, and and for doing all that you've done to um, document the really horrific practices that are out there. Thank you. 